Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Today's guest on the podcast is John Allred, he goes by Johnny, and Trevor Cook. And the reason why we're having these folks on here today, one is that we like them, they're great attorneys and great future attorney, but also Trevor just won the Is That Even Legal Scholarship Contest by suggesting and getting a guest to come on this show, uh, suggesting the topic of you, you signed a contract, you didn't understand, what now? So... We're going to talk about that today, and I do do find that to be a very interesting subject. It affects us every day. You don't think about it, but it's a, it's an issue that is pretty pervasive in our society. We're all entering entering into contracts. We really don't get it. So, Trevor, without further ado, I want to present you with a check. Thank you for your scholarship. Enjoy. Yay. And uh, I know, as a law student, you're you're going to use that very quickly. I mean, when I was a law student, I was like, yes. Anytime I got at least a dollar. So, um, so welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so one of the things that is fascinating is Deloitte did a study. And they surveyed 2,000 consumers. And what they found was 91% of people consent to legal terms and services and conditions, and they do it without reading them. (laughs) And if you go to the younger ages, 18 to 34, that rate is about 97%. People sign it, agree to it without even thinking about it. And so we go from 97% to 91%. We really don't learn a lot as we get older on these contracts that we sign that we don't understand. And I think one of the reasons why we don't bother to read them is we don't get it. If we read it, we don't understand it. So why bother? But it's a problem, I think, in our society. And, you know, I think we... You know, one of the problems is the language is complex and legal language, legal jargon is horrible. And a lot of times it's just plain long winded, right? I mean, it's just, it's just pages and pages of saying the same thing over and over in different ways. Now, no one hates legal jargon more than me. I can't stand it. That's why I started this podcast because I wanted people to really understand the law. One thing that's sort of interesting um, just along this subject is there was a study by York University in Toronto and the University of Connecticut. They got together and they created a fake social media website. (laughs) I don't know if you guys heard about this. And they wrote up terms of service. And among the terms of service was you had to give up your firstborn child. (laughs) And as people started signing up, uh, 98% of the people who went to go sign up agreed to these terms of services. I mean, why wouldn't they, right? It's just their firstborn child. We all know it's totally worth it for our Facebook site account. It must have been a great service. Yeah, it was great. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's just emblematic that 
we're getting into things we don't understand. So, you know, Johnny, you are an attorney. You went to Harvard Law. You have served a lot of different tech companies and uh, startups, and you had an undergraduate degree in information systems. You're, you're a geek type of guy, right? <laughs> I can think we can say that. You've, you've worked for Carvana. You're in-house counsel. I don't remember where. Where are you in-house counsel? Yeah, Carvana, Carvana. Um, Open Door, and then now at Prenda. I mean, so you, you're a guy who has to think about contracts. What are we thinking about when people like you are drafting a contract? Yeah, I. it's funny because um, my my career looks a little erratic, but I have kind of detected there is, there is this common thread, um, and that's the information, information transfer, communication. And so uh, my undergrad was how, mostly how computers communicate. Um, and uh, my, my uh, first job out of law school was as a patent litigator for four years. And there, my job was to communicate to the judge and to the jury um, how specific technology works. We'd have these cases. They were um, usually complex cases about PhD level technology. And my job was to figure out how to communicate that in about 30, 45 minutes. And so reducing complex information into something that's easy to understand was something that I really fell in love with right out the gates. Uh, and then when I started going in-house, uh, one thing that I love about startups is that we are... Um, Startups tend to be user-oriented. That's how they get bigger faster is because they have empathy for the user. They solve some problem that the user has, and, and that and in return gets um, the users to really love them, promote the service, tell their friends, leads to high growth and, and lots of fun. Um, and uh, so me, because of my background, I kind of saw my, my role as a lawyer in that, same, in that same vein. My job is to empathize with the user and to try to uh, communicate with them in the way that will make sense to them and so that they actually understand. And like you said, you come across some of these things in the law, specifically contracts, and it's like, this feels like it's designed not to be understood. Uh, this feels like the person writing this um, had no user in mind, probably has never actually like watched someone try to read the contract. Um, you know, in my undergrad degree, we, we had this class called user computer interfaces. And one thing we had to say every single day was, I am not the user. I am not the user. Um, cause we've all used, I think, uh, technology that's been designed by engineers for engineers. You know, you think about programming your VCR back in the day yeah, yeah. and how complex that was. Right. And like that didn't serve anybody well. Apple comes out and they design something that's designed with the user in mind and they have wild success. Right. Yeah. And so these companies that I've worked for, uh, the legal contracts were often part of the products, but could feel disjointed. You go from having, you know, very clear communication, advertising that communicated well, and then you get to this contract. And it's like, what is this? You know? <laughs> well, is it a problem, though? I mean, if we're not reading them, is it a problem that they're in legalese, that it's jargon? Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. Um, I think the reason it works now is because there's a level of trust. You know, people will see the contract and they'll say, you know what, I trust that it doesn't actually make me <laughs> give away my firstborn. Um, and I hope that everything in here is okay. And I think judges are attuned to that too. You know, I think judges will not enforce something that would be unreasonable, but that's kind of unideal, right? That uh, there's going to be things on the margin that wouldn't have been clear, but maybe could have been clear and maybe could have altered someone's decision or helped them understand things better. 
And so I don't think it's like this a burning problem that's going to result in you know in terrible things, but I do think we could do better. Let me let me push back on that. Yeah. And, do, and I I think we could do a lot better. <laughs> and I think that a lot of these problems, a lot of these contracts are frankly wrong. You know, if we think about, I have a, I have a phrase that I I didn't invent this. I heard this before that I like to use. It's called contract in a box. I opened the software box back when they had software boxes, and I install it. And I've just entered into a contract. I may not know it. I download an app. I hit that accept. I've entered into a contract. And some of these contracts. Some of them aren't so good. One of the things that could happen is I could give up my right to a jury trial. I can now be litigating my dispute with whoever it is in some state 2,000 miles away before a company that gets all their business from the megacorp. And suddenly I'm now having to think I'm going to get a fair trial from this arbitration. It's not fair. Right. I mean, this is this is more than more than just, you know, uh, more than about reading it. It's about fairness. Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. Um, I think that if people are entering things like this, they should at least understand. Right. I think people should have the right to, you know, if they choose, if that's not important to them um, to to sign that away. There's obviously certain things that you should never be able to sign away. Um, but there's a lot in between there. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think a lot of times they don't understand what it means when they sign these agreements. And I think that's wrong. And I think we've seen courts grapple with this by requiring, you know, some sort of like enhanced notice or maybe I'm not going to enforce this arbitration agreement because I don't think that they understood it. Um, that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve the business either to have this sort of uncertainty. Like one of our jobs as lawyers is supposed to be reducing uncertainty because uncertainty means legal fees, right? Both yeah. for the consumer and for the client. Um, and it seems like one of the best ways to reduce uncertainty is just to communicate better. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things. One of my favorite books that I stumbled across is called Typography for Lawyers. Right. Um, it's fascinating because when you think about it, lawyers are in many ways uh, publishers. Right. Right. We are uh, our work product is um, often written documents. Uh, there are again, there are disciplines out there, you know, newspapers, magazines, etc. There are people who do this for a living and who have developed and honed that craft, you know, knowing what kind of font to use, using bullet points, etc. Um, that lawyers sometimes seem to forget. I, I always just cringe when I'm reading a contract um, that I that lands on my desk and there are numbers in a paragraph that should just be in a table, right? Tables are great. Tables are an information technology. They communicate clearly. You know, you have something on one column and it corresponds to something on another column. You can scan it really easily. And yet a lot of times lawyers will take tables and convert them into paragraphs as if paragraph has some sort of like heightened legal, you know, uh, legal power, you know? And I, I think that's a mistake sometimes that lawyers forget that there is no specific way, even a contract, right, can be, uh, written on anything can be communicated in any number of ways. The important thing is that there's a meeting of the minds. Um, and so at our disposal at, as lawyers, um, we should be using things like tables and bullet points, images, even movies like videos, short clips can also be um, part of communication um, and and can be form part of this agreement. Um, we used to do this as in, in my practice as a, as a litigator. We often included images in our briefs. Um, it seemed yeah. radical at the time because, you know, that's that's a lot of page space that you're using up. But as they say, you know, an image is worth a thousand words oftentimes, right? Right. right? Yeah. You know, Trevor, you're getting 
down this journey, right? And mm -hmm. I, I, as a as a young law student, I didn't have, a, you know, I didn't come from a background of lawyering, and a lot of my friends did. And so all this new jargon, all this new uh, information was coming at me, and mm -hmm. I never even heard these terms before. <laughs> And it's just, it's filling my brain and blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. You're in the middle of this process. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you think that we have an obligation to change? Yes, as in the, the legal field or? Yeah, as a legal field. And do we have an obligation to change how we're approaching contract law? Yes, I think so, absolutely. Tell me why. So, I mean, as a law student, I, I feel like basically a layperson still. Um, like you, I haven't had a background and I haven't had a legal background. No one in my family is a lawyer or anything, but I was probably destined to it, like it or not. I am coming at it at a little later age. I was telling Johnny earlier how I used to read all the software agreements yeah. back in the day <laughs> as I was growing up because I felt like I should know what this is saying and what I'm, what I'm agreeing to. And my experience, honestly, over the course of, gosh, I've read them probably like for the, for the past 20 years, just stopping more in the last five to 10 years because it's become too much. Really, they say all about the same things. Most of it's okay, but they sneak things in there. And like you were talking about earlier, uh, you were talking, somebody mentioned forum selection clauses. An average user has no idea that if they are having some major unlikely problem that nevertheless hurts them and they need redress, they may be forced to fly to some state, like you say, and go into arbitration, which will be stacked against them because the company is choosing the arbitrators. Or even if they're able to go to court, it will be in a different state. They'll have to make arrangements. Really what I feel like these companies are doing in a lot of cases is just wearing people down. First of all, with the, with the length of these agreements and the jargon, they don't need to be that long. Most of them could be standardized and shortened, I think. Johnny has some good ideas about that. And then... If, if they could just be made to highlight the differences of what's different about their agreement. For me, one of my, one of my pet things that bothered me was arbitration clauses. Yeah. Like even before law school was on the horizon, I had read articles about that and thought, so I, I'm not allowed to go to court. I'm not allowed to join a class action suit. I don't think anything bad will happen from my using this product, but what if like that one in 10,000 chance it seems really unfair. So I'd always opt out. And over time, it gets harder and harder to opt out. And I was telling Johnny, like the past three to five years, it's they've worn me down. I no longer opt out most of the time. And I just kind of hope that if something terrible happens, uh, a judge will not enforce that. Like he was saying. <laughs> but that's, that's wrong. We shouldn't be relying on judges like this. We should be able to have a good relationship. These companies want to serve their customers in theory, right? Right. They want them to enjoy their products and services. If um, they should be able to stand behind their products and not have these sneaky, these sneaky terms in their agreements that undermine the overall experience. I think it's, it's really unfair. And I don't know. I don't think companies want to do that. Like, I imagine, for example, such a consumer-focused company like Apple, they probably, the legal department drives them crazy having to insert these long <laughs> contracts in the middle sure. of a otherwise smooth process. 
I, I mean, I don't think anybody really wants it, but how do we break from that? It's hard to say. Well, let me ask you, you talked about standardized contract terms. What do you mean? I think, I mean, partly uh, what I referred to earlier, we trust that companies are going to do, you know, that the terms will be reasonable. Um, and most are. Uh, but it would be nice if there was a list that just said, here are the reasonable terms. And if any company wants to diverge from this, they can. It just has to be called out specifically, as opposed to here's 19 pages and 18 of these pages are all the same things as everything else. But there's a one little part here that's different. That's the important part. I mean, as lawyers, we use red lines often. And why are red lines useful? It's because they identify something that's different, right? And oftentimes it's what's different uh, that's the most useful information. And, and so by presenting a standard, here's what most companies will, will be presenting in their terms of use, for example. Um, all, these are all standard. Uh, if they ever want to divert from that, that's the part that's highlighted. So a user who has to go through and read, wants to read the terms of service, they can say, great, everything else is standard except for this part. I can now focus my, my precious time on trying to understand this part that's different and decide whether I'm comfortable with that or not. As opposed to, I'm going to spend 90% uh, of my time reading over the same thing over and over and over again, like Trevor has done. read it once. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we do this in the law. We call them standardized laws, right? Right. And there's these think tanks to get, that get together and they say, this is what the law should be for sales of yeah. you know, X, right? And what you're saying is, we should do this for contract work. Yeah, the universal commercial code, uh, you know, because businesses don't like doing this any more than consumers do. Um, but we have this for, for businesses. Uh, hasn't quite reached the consumer market yet. Seems like that should have been inverted. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it does. But I do like that because you're right. If we had this smorgasbord and, you know, the, and they said standard term X, standard term Y, and then they say, oh, and by the way, you're going to sell you your firstborn. <laughs> right. It's just right. like, oh, hold on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming in today. It's been really interesting to get to know you, to hear uh, your thoughts on the subject. And uh, my best to you. Thank you. I mean, you're, you're entering into a very uh, <laughs> noble profession. Uh, and I uh, wish you the absolute best. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time. <laughs>